In today's episode of the Abundant Artist Podcast, we ask the question, are women less able to promote themselves than men? Hi there, I'm Corey Huff, and this is the Abundant Artist Podcast, where we teach you how to sell your art. Today I'm talking to my friend and early career mentor, Tara Gentili. Tara has been teaching business skills online longer than I have, and you'll hear me expressing a little bit of a business crush on her. Tara started her career off working with creative craft artisans and artists, has been featured on the Creative Live Show, and has a host of other awards and accolades. A few weeks ago, Tara asked a question on Facebook that sparked a really important discussion. Let's dive right into it. Tara Gentili, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So Tara, this is the, the second time that we're recording this. Uh, it's a, perhaps a short story for another time, but I had a laptop stolen, and the only thing I wasn't able to recover was the recording we did of this podcast. So we're going to do it again. Um, <laughs> so a few weeks ago, you had posted on Facebook um, some comments about whether or not women um, were sort of self-defeating in the way that they promote themselves or don't promote themselves. Can you just talk about that for a minute and, and tell, tell us what you were thinking about that? Sure. So my original post was about how I, do, in doing some, some research on podcasting and, you know, what makes a successful podcast, I noticed that only three of the top 30 podcasts in the business category were hosted by women. And I found that really interesting. It wasn't necessarily a, oh, this is so horrible, or, oh, we need more representation kind of thing. It was a, huh, I wonder why. Um, because that's kind of the way I think about things. <laughs> and, uh, prefer not to jump into disgust before I, I really think about what's going on there. Um, and when I dove into it a little bit further and we had a, there was a nice discussion that happened in that, in that Facebook post as well that kind of pointed to the same thing, which is that a lot of women were um, going after different categories. And I think there's a lot of different reasons for that. Um, but, but so what I was seeing was that yes, in the business category, there were very few women and, and the few women that they were, that there were, were a very particular brand or a very particular type of podcaster or type of personality brand. Um, and then the majority of women hosted business driven podcasts were actually in the, um, life or design channels on iTunes. And I, I, again, I just found that super interesting. Why make that choice? Was it, um, you know, was it something that, you know, the, a different way they viewed their businesses? Was it a different way they viewed success? Was it, um, you know, just not, you know, maybe not having the desire to talk about the nitty gritty things that would put them more in the business category? And I still don't know that I necessarily have answers for that, but it has really led me to think about about, uh, you know, just kind of the ways women view their role in their businesses, the ways women view their role in terms of promotion and self-promotion, um, and also the ways women kind of think about their own goals and think about what success looks to, like th to them, and the ways women think about their own desires and how we can often kind of uh, measure those things or, you know, uh, kind of shrink those things down to play someone else's game. Yeah, that's really interesting, and that really sets the stage well for the rest of the discussion that I would like to have here. And, and the reason that I'm having you on and, and bringing this up uh, is, you know, most of the people who listen to this podcast are painters, and most mm -hmm. of those people are women. So if you're listening to this, 
it's probably an 80 or 90% chance that you're a woman. If you're a guy, that's okay too. This will be informative too. Um, yeah, we won't kick you out. <laughs> so in 2014, uh, I, you know, I looked at a list of the top 100 painter, living painters that are selling in 2014. And out of that list of 100 living painters, only one of them was a woman. And I thought that was super interesting and, and really unfortunate. And I think that there's a number of reasons for that, and it goes back to the same things that you were just talking about. Some of it is you know, sexism, probably, and some of mm -hmm. it is the choices that women are making to not necessarily pursue a, a more visible or high-flying career, um, and we'll get into that. You know, and as, as I was doing the same kind of research you were doing, looking at, looking at there are articles in Wired and Huffington Post and other places that talk about studies where women are less likely to promote themselves, whether it's uh, within the company that they work for or whether it's as a business owner, right? And I think that's, yeah. I think that's interesting and something that we can discuss and be aware of as professionals. So I, I would like to know, you're a woman, why do you think that some women are less likely to promote themselves? Yeah. So I was thinking about this again this morning, obviously trying to think of what I said a couple months ago when we initially had this conversation. Um, and the point that I reached this morning is that, you know, and it kind of echoes a lot of things that I've been talking about lately. And that that is that I really think that women are uncomfortable setting ambitious goals and that women are often uncomfortable. And this is kind of the un underlying piece of that. Women are often uncomfortable voicing their desires, and so while a woman may desire to be, you know, in those top 100, um, you know, artist uh, sales, um, she may be uncomfortable voicing that. She may be uncomfortable putting that down on paper and she may be uncomfortable planning for that type of goal. I think um, often we go after things that we know we can achieve instead of going after, you know, the next level or the next step beyond that. Whereas, at least from a kind of anecdotal perspective, uh, at least from my personal perspective, it seems men are more comfortable being able to say, yeah, I'm going to go after this. You know, I'm going to go after the multi-million dollar exit. I'm going to go after the big auction house. I'm going to go after the big gallery. Um, and the thing about that is, is that when you don't have that big goal in mind, when you haven't set that ambitious mark for yourself, it, you can't make a plan to get there. And self-promotion or promotion in general, I mean, what's the purpose of it? The purpose is to, um, to achieve that goal. It's, it's part of the plan. It's in service of our plans for where we want to take our businesses, where we want to take our art, where we want to take the work that we're that we're creating in the world. And so if you don't have that ambitious goal from the beginning, if you're not vocal about that, if you're not, you know, sold on it for yourself personally, uh, then you can't make the plan to get there or you don't make the plan to get there. And that's what I see happening for a lot of business owners. And I think that that absolutely applies to the art market as well. Um, you know, that, that, we are less likely to make those big goals to set the, that destination that we want to work toward in our business, which then kind of, you know, ties our hands when it comes to self-promotion in a way that's going to get us to that place. The people that are selling, 
for big, big bucks, the people who are making the multi-million dollar exits, multi-billion dollar exits on their businesses, uh, they're not getting there by accident. They're getting there because they decided that's where they want to be and they've created a plan to get there. I firmly believe that each and every business owner, each and every entrepreneur, each and every artist is very capable of figuring out how to get to where they want to go. But you have to know where you want to go. And, uh, and so I think it's kind of that it's not necessarily a lack of ambition, but it's, um, it's that nervousness, it's that anxiety that comes from setting a destination that's so far out that it seems crazy. Um, but if you don't do that, then there's, there's no way to create the plan. There's no way to propel yourself into the self-promotional stream to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think just looking at my relationship with some of the women in my life that are close to me, I think one of the things I admire about them is... For myself, I, when I think of something I want to do, I have no compunctions most of the time about just going out and doing it and asking for what I want and sort of barreling mm-hmm. ahead. But there are negative consequences to that too. Uh, you, you know, when you when you push ahead, no matter the consequences, you cause uh, problems for family and and those close to you, and maybe even cause some problems for yourself in the form of. Uh, health problems or other things like that because you're neglecting the rest of your life. Um, I've certainly been in that position. And one of the things that I admire uh, about some of the women that I know, including my wife, is that when you know they have those same ambitions and the same goals of, of doing those great things, but they will often look around and say, how can I bring others with me? Or you know, the, how will this affect those who are close to me? And I don't necessarily see that as a problem or a weakness. I see that as a, a way of lifting everybody together. Um, my friend Ekaterina Walter wrote an article for the Huff Post, and I'd be curious to know what you think about this, Tara. She gave three pieces of advice for women who are trying to find ways to promote themselves or, or, or grow their own reputation. Um, the first one was imagining yourself in the third person. Like if you mm-hmm. were, if you were not you, and you just happened to know that much about that person how would you describe that person and how would you describe their awards and achievements and all of that? And then uh, the second one was nominating yourself for awards because most of the time nominations are anonymous. And then the third one was have other people brag for you. So if you go to a conference or whatever, um, you and your friends can sort of strategize on what you're going to say about each other. And I've done this with some of my buddies at conferences. Um, You introduce your friends and then you can brag about them. They don't have to do the bragging. What do you think about those as tactics? Well, I love all of them. Um, (laughs) I think the third one is especially important. And I think it can even go beyond just kind of strategizing with your friends, but really giving yourself the opportunity uh, or finding the opportunities to have other people talk to you, to share the stage with other people who are going to raise your, your platform. Um, so I was at a conference uh, in LA where it was mostly makers and designers, and I was talking about per- uh, positioning and perception as reality, and that if you can uh, kind of engineer the perception of your brand, then you can really engineer the positioning of your brand in the market so that people think about your brand right alongside the people, the designers that you aspire to be mentioned alongside of. And one of the ways that you can do that is by... Uh, pursuing and selecting complementary partners. So 
brand partners, strategic partners mm-hmm. that create uh, that, those kind of bragging rights without you having to brag, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so one way I've done that in my business is uh, having a really great working relationship with Creative Live. And, and Creative Live, if, you, if you're not familiar, is an online video learning platform. They bring in uh, kind of world-class experts and instructors uh, in all sorts of different creative fields to teach on um, the you know different disciplines, photography, design, uh, video, audio, um, and then also uh, business and life as well. And they have such a high value for excellence, such a high value for um, just making things look amazingly good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a lot of their, a lot of the production side of that company comes directly out of the television and film industry. So they do not cut corners when it comes to production, which means if I get up on stage for Creative Live um, and I bring my very, very best and they bring their very, very best in terms of production, then the product that we create looks, sounds, is amazing. Mm -hmm. And so I walk away from this partnership um, with a much heightened or a much more heightened uh, perception of myself, my brand, the things that I teach, the, uh, you know, the learning opportunities that I offer individually. And so I kind of use those strategic partnerships to elevate my brand so that I don't have to say, hey, look at me, I'm so awesome. Instead, I can have other people do that for me. So I, while I love the idea of, you know, having your friends introduce you at conferences, and I, I, definitely done that to my use that to my advantage in the past i think that you can think of this in in a really kind of global brand perspective as well how can you partner with other businesses how can you partner with other artists how you can how can you partner with the right galleries or the right uh you know showrooms so that uh you know it's not just about bragging but it's also about just kind of raising that level of perception and positioning for for you as an artist uh, so that you don't have to talk about yourself as much kind of those partnerships talk for you mm-hmm. uh, and give you a platform from which to raise yourself up yeah that's really powerful and that harkens back in my mind to artist collectives and to certain galleries that do a really good job of helping all the artists in the group uh, raise their mm-hmm. game and, and talk about each other and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's that's really, really interesting. So if you yeah. are a artist who is sort of early in your career, you know, you've, you've sold a few good pieces and you have a, you, you know that you've got the skills, how would you recommend that that person go about forming strategic partnerships? Maybe if they don't, quite, you know, maybe they're not quite at the level where they're going to be on Creative Live or something like that. How do they find those strategic partnerships? Yeah, so... Um, how to find them and then how to use them is, is probably uh, two different questions. So let's let's start with the finding. Um, I think that to find those strategic partnerships or to find find the opportunity for it, uh, you need to look at you know the people that you have always admired, the businesses, the galleries, the artists that you've always admired, and start thinking of yourself on that level. Like, what's the difference between an artist who sells? a million dollars in a year and an artist who sells $5 in a year. (laughs) Most of the time it's the time in business and it's how many people know about them. It's not really a question of a difference in quality often. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, if you start thinking of yourself as on par with these other people that you aspire to be like, uh, then that's, I mean, that really is the first step. And so you, you kind of, 
<laughs> you know, instead of thinking of them as there being a barrier between you and kind of your virtual mentors that are out there, um, you think of them as, as equals, as people that are accessible to you, as people who are, um, you know, doing what you are going to be doing. And uh, so that's, I think that's the first, the first step, because often people play small, even when it comes to finding those strategic partnerships, they, they start with people that they think are going to be, um, you know, they'll, they'll be easy wins. And sure, you want to work those things in too. Um, but you do have to kind of reach beyond that as well. And I think then, secondly, so, so Tara, I, mean, I just want to, I just yeah. want to interject real quick. You, you talked for a second there about seeing yourself on the same level as other artists who are more successful. And I, mm -hmm. um, to put that just in a slightly different way, uh, there are a lot, of, a lot of art galleries out there. Um, and artists always look at other artists who are in art galleries as being more successful or better than perhaps artists who are not. Um, and the reality is that the, the fine art world runs on trends and if you read books about art, art sales, this is really interesting, like the $12 million shark or provenance, and you see how art galleries and art dealers sort of run in trends. They, they pick one artist or a small group of artists who maybe just graduated from art school and they have a, a, something that's kind of original, and then they run with that artist and any other artist whose work is anywhere like that artist for you know, the next decade or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and these trends happen, and it's one or two visionary people who then a bunch of, get copied by a bunch of other people, and it sort of runs on that trend. Um, you don't have to copy those people to be successful, and, and you just have to recognize that this is a game that's being played at this gallery level, and you don't necessarily have to do what they're doing. You can do your own work and have it be just as good as, as what they're doing and create your own movement. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's interesting. Cause I've seen a lot of, um, talk on Facebook again lately about, you know, people kind of getting, you know, and I don't, I don't exactly know, or I don't exactly remember what the, the sentiment was behind it, but the, the gist of it was, um, you know, not thinking about the people who get quote unquote picked as being better than people who don't get picked. And the mm. difference between mm -hmm. getting picked and not getting picked is often, you know, putting yourself out there. Um, mm -hmm. It is the self-promotion piece. Um, but the self-promotion piece doesn't have to be all, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's going after opportunities. It's seeing, um, you know, openings in the market, just like what you were describing, um, you know, recognizing that people get picked for all sorts of different reasons, most of which are not about quality. They're about mm -hmm. what people are buying. They're about what people are interested in. They're about what's new, um, maybe what's old. What's and, comfortable, uh, sure, yeah. What's comfortable, sure. And, and sometimes what's provocative and all of those different reasons can cause someone to quote unquote get picked. But really what's happening when someone gets picked is that they've picked themselves first. And that, that's what to me going about uh, strategic partnerships is all about is deciding that you're going to pick yourself and then you're going to pick your partner. And, um, that yeah, that's, that's the gist of going out and, and making these things happen is very, very first, you have to say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh <laughs> darn it, people, people are going like to like me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, that's, pick, um, so that's, that's picking yourself and then and, yeah. and finding the strategic partnerships. So then how do you leverage those strategic partnerships into, into something better? 
Yeah, so I, I really believe the next step is actually making a hit list, <laughs> um, which is something I, you know, it's what I talk about in terms of partnerships, you know, going out and getting media, going out and getting wholesale accounts or gallery accounts, you need a hit list. And you might need a hit list for all of those different things, uh, depending on how, you know, what your strategy is for your business. But uh, a hit list is just a list of all the people that you would potentially like to partner up with at some time. And the reason you need that list is because opportunities are constantly constantly coming your way. And if you are, if you're not making yourself aware of what those opportunities might be, you will miss them every single time. The people who get opportunities are the people who are aware of the potential of those opportunities. So start with a hit list because once you have that hit list, you start paying attention in a different way. And once you start paying attention in a different way, you can start to see, well, wouldn't it be cool if I did this with this person? Or wouldn't it be cool if I did this with this gallery? Um, and then the reverse can happen too, where you can pay attention, where you can pay attention in that different way and see that that gallery has put out a call for things that are X or they're looking for artists who are Y. And now because they're on your hit list and you're paying attention, you can fit yourself, you can fit your work into that call for work or that call for artists. And that's really how these things happen. Um, you can manufacture them a little bit more than that, of course. You can, you can kind of create that call for yourself, or you can go out and say, hey, I think it would be really cool if we did this together. But oftentimes, um, I'll, you know, most of the opportunities that have come my way have come my way simply because I'm paying attention in a different way, because I have that hit list, because I know what I'm trying to achieve, because I know what kind of opportunities would really elevate my brand. When, when I know those things, I can pay attention for those things, and then I can leap on those opportunities. And I really think it's, it really is as simple as that. I, and that's what I see missing from a lot of business owners, uh, both men and women, but definitely predominantly women. Interesting. Okay. So, so circling back to the women thing, we're getting close to time here. I want to, I want to ask you, so we haven't really tackled the subject of sexism head on. So I I feel very awkward bring, even bringing this up because I'm a man. Right. Uh, (laughs) but, but I would ask you, you know, what, what have you done when you have encountered sexism head on? How do you deal with it? And then how do you work around it? Um, you know, that's such a funny question because often, you know, I'm sure that I've been the victim of sexism many times in my life. Um, I think I choose, uh, often choose not to see it and instead find a different way around. Um, and so, yeah, is there, is there a good old boys club in the podcasting world? Is there a good old boys club in the uh, blogging world? Is there a good old boys club in the artist world? Mm-hmm. Yes. And there's another way around. And so if I can recognize that, oh, you know, one of the reasons that half of these people are in the top 30 podcasts or half of these people are in the top 100 blogs is because they all share each other's content and, you know, they're just, they're all, you know, buddies and beer, beer bros and, you know, all of those things, <laughs> then I can find a different way around. I can recognize that strategy and I can either recreate it for myself with, with the group of people that I feel really strongly about or I can look for a different path. And so most of the time I kind of ignore, um, well, I guess it's, it's more that I identify it and then I ignore it 
and then I find a creative way around because there's always a different path. Um, you know, I was talking earlier about knowing where you want to go so that you can create a plan to get there. And an analogy that I've been sharing a lot lately is um, Google Maps. When when you want to go somewhere, you put your destination into Google Maps. You know, it knows where you want to go. And then it gives you like three or four different ways to get there, right? And depending on your preferences, you choose the route that you want to get to. And what's even more beautiful about that is that once you choose that route, if you make a quote-unquote wrong turn, Google Maps will reroute you and they will tell you how to get to your destination no matter where you go on the path. And that is exactly what happens with our businesses as well. As long as we're oriented to a point that we want to get to, then we can create a path that gets us there eventually. Uh, And it may not be the most direct path. It may not be the path that everybody else takes, but that often means there's less traffic, there's less tolls. (laughs) And, uh, and you, you know, you might see some really beautiful things along the way. Uh, And so that's, that's how I really like to think about it is that, you know, if I'm going to be combating sexism or I'm combating that, you know, good old boys club in whatever field I'm in, I'm going to create a path that works around that. And all I need to be able to do that is to know where I want to end up. Nice. So you're saying that it's not an absolute roadblock. No, it's never an absolute roadblock. It is just, you know, it's just a traffic jam. And it is literally a traffic jam. (laughs) So just go around it. (laughs) Awesome. Tara, thank you so much for taking the time to re-record today's episode. And uh, any, any parting words? Um, uh, yeah, I think just reroute yourself is probably the, <laughs> the, the answer and make sure that you're oriented to that destination. Um, it, it stinks sometimes to try and think five years out or think 10 years out, but until you allow yourself the luxury of thinking five or 10 years out, you're not going to make the best choices to get where you want to end up now. Interesting. Thanks so much, Tara. Yeah, Absolutely. Thanks a lot for listening to the Abundant Artist podcast. If you want access to the resources mentioned in this episode and the show notes, go to theabundantartist.com slash podcast 13.